What's up, folks? We're in for a brand new show, so tune in. That's never going to get old to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's you never going to get You just sprung that on me. That was, uh, that was awesome. <laughs> um, what's up, guys? Welcome to In The Know. Uh, we are recording pre-draft. It is Tuesday night. Um, I am flying into New York early tomorrow morning to get this draft business up in the air. There's a lot to talk about. A lot has happened since we last um recorded mason there's been a whole new champion crowned um don't know if you have any thoughts about how that went down um about as i expected as far as i i had golden state um i i did think it was a little bit more lopsided than i expected in favor of the warriors um but i guess you could say that the maybe the Celtics were beaten up but i know my my uh, my boston hatred from my childhood in the yankees and red sox rivalry runs deep and so i do not i am not upset at all about the the results i mean how are you, how are you feeling yeah i mean i thought it was going to be war i said warriors 5 or 6 um i was a little bit shaky uh, when the series started out i was like i don't know maybe they didn't give boston enough credit but ultimately i think the warriors just had so much firepower and and i, I figured they would figure it out given that they've been in this position so many times before. So a um, little bit, a little bit uneventful, but I'm, you know, good for them. Good that they're, they're back here. And uh, it just makes me wonder what it would feel like if a team I rooted for had that kind of success. One day, guys. man, one day. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you when, but one day, one day. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff. I was always a ton of overreactions that, uh, come forth after the finals and the playoffs. And, you know, it's always people trying to talk about, well, this is how you should build teams now, or these, you know, these players are useless and et cetera, et cetera. And it's funny because the conversation turned to big men and they were like, oh, well, you know, big men aren't really useful. And like, I, I get that point, right? I get what they're trying to talk about, but it's like, we can't ignore the fact that last year's finals happened and they involved the prominent big men. Um, can't ignore the fact that the Bucks are probably a Chris Middleton injury away from also being in the finals. Yeah. And can't ignore the fact that Boston had two very talented big men, um, you know, Horford and Robert Williams that played a role in getting there. I think what where people missed the forest from the trees in that conversation is you need to have versatile big men. And they they need to have the ability to do multiple things on the court. So if you have guys who are just specialists or one position bigs who can't really step out and defend um, in, in space um, or don't have guard skills on the offensive end, those guys are going to struggle. You know, Ru- Rudy Gobert uh, year after year is put in positions where he looks like he's out of his depth. Now, I know a lot of that's like overstated in, in some aspects because Utah's perimeter defense is – absolutely terrible and he would look a lot better in different contexts but you know there is something to be said where like okay like yeah that this guy didn't look uh like the dominant force he usually is in in the regular season and other matchups same thing with like bam out of bio against the celtics so it's like okay like they were able to slow down what bam does well um by you know just being well, you know, I guess Boston was constructed with their bigs. But, yeah, they were able to, like, slow him down. And he's a pretty special big. Same thing with Aiton in the Dallas series. Um, Dallas 
who's Dallas' best big man? Maxi Kleber? I kind of, I mean, defensively, I would say maybe it changes by the night, but, um, but <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, it's that Powell kind of was, his moments were pretty inconsistent. So I'd say it has to be. Yeah. And, and, and to me, the, where it all comes down to is less of like what these guys do defensively. I mean, I think defensively, like they're all very important and they play big roles. It's more about their offense and, and how good the offense is of the people around them. And if they're not able to make lineups effective offensively, then they have diminishing value. And I think that's the conversation is like, you need to be able to score and people are like defense, 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 blah, blah, blah. No, I think, I really think it's a scoring issue where these teams run into situations where they don't have enough firepower. Yeah. I mean, and I, so to compare it to the Pelicans, I, I think that there, so there's two points I want to hit on with this. And one is, um, yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true because it, it's depending on what you do with the five, it really dictates what you can do with the rest of the roster, what rest of the lineup on offense. Right. And you look at what, even with the Pelicans a year ago, with Steven Adams, like he, he's there and he can do certain things in offense, but because of his limited you know ability to shoot it, you, you can only do so much in the rest of the floor and, and create kind of space you want. And so, you know, you fast forward a year with Jonas Valanciunas to see the difference he's made. And yeah, I mean, I, I can buy the argument that deep in the playoffs, he's not the guy you want to have, um, you know, on the floor in crunch time, but you've also got to get there. And so I, I also, I, I think it's important to, to acknowledge the fact that, you know, we are talking about right now through the, through the lens of title contention. And that, that's a different conversation from a big man perspective that although not as maybe as big of one as some people would want you to believe um, versus just let's get into the playoffs and let's be a team that can make some noise. And I think you saw that, you know, that's, th- those are kind of two different discussions, but, but your, your comment around versatility, I think is, is spot on because it, even, you know, if you have a big like that, you've got to be able to play, more nimble and i think the pelicans are starting to be able to do that with a guy like larry nance but there's there's certainly more to go and i think that's maybe one of the big priority will be for them kind of moving forward here yeah absolutely and i think kind of this conversation about how teams are building and offensive structures can uh, lead nicely into some of the problems oh my god look at moshi back there being very cute um anyways <laughs> he's upside down it's so funny <laughs> he's upside down um you know, it leads pretty nicely into what teams are asking, contenders are asking themselves um, what they're willing to pay some of the people that are on their team. Uh, interesting reports about James Harden out there, interesting reports about Kyrie Irving, two former teammates, um, obviously separated after uh, a messy trade, you could say. Where, what do you feel about the reporting with Harden when it comes to? hey, he might sign a shorter-term deal or maybe he has less than max money on it or, you know, Philly not offering him the full $240 million or whatever it is. It it felt like, well, I mean, once you really saw what played out in the playoffs, it felt like one of the more plausible options. I mean, I, for even despite everything that Daryl Morey did to get James Harden on the roster in Philly, I mean, you, you, I, I think any rational person w- would say pretty – uh, convincingly that James Harden's not worth a full max from here. I mean, that, that would be, that would be uh, very problematic in the future years. And honestly, maybe he's not even worth it over the next couple of years. But I, I think that there was the, the, the paths forward in my mind were regardless, I think picking up Harden, picking up the option and kind of using that as part of the you know future income made a lot of sense because you can best align the money to the 
you know, his best years, uh, you know, from now until retirement. Uh, and then I, I think so it was either the short term deal where you give a when you kind of give him a big payday for less years or you look at a long term deal that's not max money. That, that, that's something less. And I think, um, I, I, you know, I, I think that what's being, uh, you know, communicated by, by Jake, the intel he's got, it makes sense. Um, I, I do wonder um, what Harden will push for in negotiations here. Yeah. And do you feel like you feel like the Nets are in a place where they can deploy that strategy with Kyrie or do they feel like that's a whole different ball game? What's uh, going on there? Man, <laughs> I have no, I have no idea. Like I, I think, so Kyrie's got more, I, I think peak Kyrie right now is, I would say certainly better than peak Harden just because of where he is in his, his career. He's younger. He's got more, like more peak years. Harden now or Harden's peak now, now, no, no, <laughs> okay. yeah, right now. Um, just because I think he's, you know, the age is certainly starting to, to wear on Harden a little bit, but, um, but you, you just have no idea what the heck you're getting from Kyrie, um, moving forward. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a different situation, but how it's different is, is really unclear at this point. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think I'm rooting for chaos here. I, okay. I always do. It would be very funny to see him walk in any capacity, where it, whether it's an opt-in and trade to somewhere like the Knicks. As long as it's not to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know. If there's chaos to be had. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel, you know, I don't want to risk it. There's too much upside in that. Too much at stake, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's not to the Lakers, we're good. Right. But, you know, right. let's say he gets his way to the Knicks or something. That, that would be uh, very fun because I'm curious where Kevin Durant would go at that point feel like he should uh consider going back to the warriors uh that would be, that would be maximum chaos especially maximum on chaos i you know he might be a, i don't know i feel like despite everybody he probably just does like goes to like miami or something um yeah i don't know i, I mean, don't know yeah it's but it does speak to we're, we're trying to manufacture this chaos right now because like there's just not much and i think a part of it has to do with the fact that there's like it the 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 well is dry from a free agent perspective, right? There's just not that much going on. There's not there's not that many big names that are you're up, up and there's not much cap space going around either. So it's unless you're looking at you're looking at trades, if anything, is gonna gonna uh, make things unexpectedly crazy after the draft here, or even up leading up to the draft. Well, speaking of trades, there have been a few that the Pelicans have now rumored in uh, with regards to the draft. So let's push on towards the draft portion of this conversation, which I'm sure everyone is excited about. You know, we just spent some time talking about topics. I'm sure people have covered in 15 different podcasts. So this is, this is why y'all are here. Uh, Not going to waste any more of your time. There was interesting report that came out today uh, on ESPN. Um, Jonathan Giovanni reported that perhaps the Suns are calling around trying to move into the top 10 and the Pelicans are, uh, have a pick that they'd be interested in at the eight spot. And they're using Cam Johnson as a, as a trade asset now sort of a lot to unpack there, but I saw you tweeting about it earlier this morning, wanted to get your thoughts on it and see if your thoughts have changed any since, you know, the, the news is broke. Yeah. So, I mean, first thing is, um, so since that, I also listened to not the whole thing, but parts of the low post podcast where we had him on there too. And I was, the first thing I was thinking about was, all right, so where's this coming from? Right. And so in the article, it's not entirely clear, but in the pot in the podcast with Zach, 
it sounds like it's coming from Phoenix. And that was something that I was like, mm, maybe it's not, uh, maybe it is, uh, this is the Pelicans trying to manufacture value for the eighth pick if they want to trade down. But it really did sound like it, this is noise coming from Phoenix. And so um, the question is, one, why? Um, I, I, I'm very curious about that. Um, is that really, like, is, is Sarver really putting the, uh, the pressure on that much to say, if you want to give, give Aiden all that money, you've got to unload Cam. And that's, that's a that's a scary sign if you if you're Phoenix and and, and some of the Phoenix po- uh, you know beat writers and and, and or, or bloggers podcasters were saying this is not consistent with anything we've heard uh, so far for the Suns and so it's 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 very interesting I'm I'm going to be keeping a close eye on Phoenix in the next couple of days you're smirking I, I, I want before I talk about like the Pelicans perspective I want to really get get your thoughts around this yeah I mean I I don't think it's a made up report by any means. Um, Someone had this conversation at some point and, and they have now told uh, ESPN reporters about that conversation. I do think that your initial instinct of, hey, the Pelicans are trying to drive the value up of the eighth pick is accurate in this situation. To me, it reads as a billboard, hey, Team X, if you're interested in eight there is a floor, right? There is there is a bar. Here's what we're talking about. You better up the ante if you want to seriously engage here. And so I don't think any team is like stupid enough to like read that report at face value and be like, oh shit, like it's, they're getting Cam fucking Johnson. We better send more assets uh, for eight. However... I think it's enough for someone already in talks for eight to pick up the phone and be like, all right, what, what, what did Phoenix offer you? How does it compare to what we're giving you? What can we do? You know, just to, just to call again and figure out where they stand. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it's enough for anyone to panic or, or really care about. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that, that, that makes sense. And I mean, given the fact that, um, you know, it just and also I mean I guess the next question is what would it take? What are the Pelicans looking for if they're going to move off of eight? So when, in relation to Cam Johnson, the obvious thing you point to is that the the Suns have zero picks in this draft. Now their 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 picks incoming and out going after this year, the slate's totally clean. They've got all their future picks. They own they they owe zero. They they're getting zero extra from other teams. And so um, if you think that Cam Johnson is someone that the Pelicans would conceivably go after. And if you um, if you think he can be had at, a, at an extension price that is reasonable, these are both big ifs. Um, and then you also what you, you you can't just trade it for Cam Johnson. Uh, that that would be a, a huge blunder, and I don't think that's one. That, I, I'm not even worried about that for the Pelicans. I don't think that's something they would do. But the question is, you know, what's the future draft capital that you would be willing to agree to to make that deal work? And so it's a lot of ifs. And so I, I you know talking through it this morning. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't see it as a, as a likely outcome. I, I, I see the intrigue with Cam Johnson, but can you really get enough in addition to make it worth moving away from the eighth pick when you are so desperate for cost-controlled assets at this point? And, and so is Cam Johnson really the, way, the place you want to go to make to, to, to put another 15, 20 million potentially uh, in, towards the roster when you have this eighth pick who could potentially – you know, help you in, in, in a year or two, um, you know, it, it, at a much cheaper price. So it, it's, the, the, it, it doesn't, a lot of, it, I, I see more negatives and positives to it, but I do see a fit for Cam Johnson with this team. What do you think? 
Yeah, so on the surface, Cam fits like a glove. 6'9", shooter, uh, can play him at the 2-3-4, competes defensively. I wouldn't say he's like a tremendous defense, defensive player, but he does enough, right? You know, he's he's there. Uh, he was in the running for sixth man of the year. Um, he's 26, I believe, so you know what you're getting out of him. Um it's going into the final year of his rookie contract, just like Zion extension eligible. You don't have to make that decision now, but you do have to make it in a year. If I am him, why would I accept anything lower than what Duncan Robinson got? Why? I am bigger. I am a better rebounder. What? Or Alonzo. That, that's, I mean, same price or even that price point, maybe. Yeah. I, I just mean in terms of like skill set, like they're like, shoot, like, like Lonzo. Okay. You could be like, oh, that guy is like, you know, he passes and rebounds and defends. Whereas like Duncan Robinson, okay, that's a shooter. Like Joe Harris, that's a shooter. Looking at those archetypes, those guys got $80 million, $90 million. Um, if I'm Cam Johnson, like that's the, that's the floor of, of what I'm asking for. And, and is that something the Pelicans want to put on their books? In addition to the Zion extension, because they're, again, they're the same class that money kicks in at the same time. I mean, I, I just don't see the financial merit behind it. But the player fits. Um, he would take away minutes from Trey, which is, I think, also another negative um, part of this trade, especially if, like, Cam is a guy that Willie trusts and Willie doesn't trust Trey. Then you get into those issues where you're like, why is Gary Temple still playing? Um, I don't buy that. You don't buy that? You don't buy that it's a potential issue? The notion that he's going to take minutes from Trey. I think I think there are other players he can take like so. Let's say, uh, I mean, so Devontae Graham going out is that is that the assumption here, or is we saying Jackson Hayes? Yeah, it would be Jackson Hayes. Yeah, I mean that's the, the, the those they might sell but I I mean I I think I think he'd be taking minutes from more guard oriented players it's just based on the roster construction the Pelicans have. Like I think I think Devon he'd take Devontae's minutes. Man, look if you. <laughs> If you try to map out minutes for a team that only has the following nine guys in their rotation, it is really hard to give everyone the minutes they need. Listen to me. CJ, B.I., Herb, Zion, Jonas. That's your starting five. Jose, Trey, um, Larry, and okay, that's eight players. Yeah, it's really hard to divide all your minutes between those eight players. You introduce a ninth, it gets a little bit harder. You introduce a tenth with the with the draft pick, it gets even harder. Well, I guess in this case, draft pick's going out, so you wouldn't even matter. But the ninth player, I mean, like, yeah, you could be like, okay, he slots in uh, pretty easily with that. Never thought he's never been fully healthy, man. <laughs> True, but I'm just saying, is like, I think he would cut Trey's minutes, and and I don't like that. Um, in any case, yeah, but you know, on court fit, very easy to see. The thing that I could like convince myself, talk myself into is betting against the Suns future, mm -hmm. which is like something Griff has shown he's willing to do for, for teams that are uh, in contention mode, but he bets outside of their contention window. And you could bet, I think, in Chris Paul's like final year. Uh, is he going to be Chris Paul by then? You could bet in years after Chris Paul's contract's over, you know, like those kind of situations. I think Booker's, um, you could bet it in like, oh, in the years that Booker's contract is expired. And ownership, so, man. Bet against bet against bad ownership. Obviously. Yeah, Sarver. You could bet. So, you know, if you told me you're getting like two future picks unprotected, 
<laughs> and Cam Johnson would be like, fuck it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> chance that's the return. Though. All right. You know, I'll worry about the tax thing later, but yeah. like, yeah. sure. Let me get, give me those things. Um, because then you could argue, be like, all right, cool. Like I, I punted on, you know, this year's draft for, for two swings, but I got a player that'll help me today. So, uh, that'll probably help me more than any other player at eighth, um, day one. Right. So I could see that, but outside of that kind of framework, I'm, it's just not, it, I don't think it's, it's much to, to think about, but I do think it is an advertisement to other teams. And there's a team that I want to talk about. We've already, I've already kind of talked about this in other platforms. Uh, but I want to talk about Washington for a second. Uh, Windhorse is now reporting that Washington might be trying to call up to eight and uh, offering the 10th pick. And maybe there's something around with Devontae Graham. Washington is in search of a guard, a veteran guard. They've been talking to Indiana about Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, I think they've talked to a couple other people about different players. Um, do they believe Devontae is the guy? No idea what that would be. The Pelicans responsibility to convince them, or maybe it's not their responsibility. They just got to, Dangle the eighth pick. Um, Devontae Beal backcourt. Oh, <laughs> like we thought CJ Devontae was bad defensively. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So <laughs> not our problem. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally. I I want to talk about, first of all, you, you know, you said if the only thing the Pelicans got out of that trade was just getting off Devontae and replacing him with KCP, you're not like in love with that. Um, well, and moving back two spots. Yeah, not not in love, but I, I mean, I mean, so if it's like Graham, if it was Graham and and eight for ten and just like salary filler. I don't love that. I, I I'm you not consider a, I'm KCP not. salary filler though? I do not. That's that, that's what I was getting to. Is that KCP is not that? KCP is a guy who can legitimately help the Pelicans next season, and he's not a long term uh, salary who's going to bog bog your cap sheet down. So, like in in that regard, I, I think especially I think. That plus the logic you're sharing that, you know, like if you're trading back to 10, then inherently you're saying that the that player that the Wizards are taking at eight is not a guy you you want or not a guy that you're you're crazy about. So then you're only worrying about one team, the Spurs. And so, you know, th- that I can I can buy into that logic, um, only dropping two slots, th- thinking you can still get a guy you really like and having KCP be a guy who could help you this year. So I think I think that's more reasonable. Um, it's fine. Question. I don't love it, but I think it's fine. So first of all, there's interesting Wizards news right now. Um, okay. Uh, Michael Scotto just tweeted out: Source Wizard star Bradley Beal would decline his 36.4 million dollar player option for the 2022-2023 season and become an unrestricted free agent this summer. Huh. That's- Does that change your equation any, or do you think I haven't looked at his cap? Thing. So like, I don't know if like he's eligible for like the super duper max right now. And it just makes sense to decline that lower number of his current contract and sign at the higher number of the, of the next one. To me, that's what it seems like is probably what's going on. I haven't looked into it. Um, yeah. But uh, that's, yeah, does that change the equation for you? Any? Um, I'm trying to look and see. Cause like, I feel like, Again, like this kind of ties back to what we were talking about few, uh, like 10, 15 minutes ago about the fact that there aren't that many teams with cap space. And so like if I'm Bradley Beal and I'm a guy who's – There's you know, San Antonio. I, so DeJounte Murray and Bradley Beal. I mean – I, I mean there's New York. <laughs> there's always New York. Yeah. Portland could do it. You know, CJ and, and – uh, and Maybe Dan Bradley – Bradley Beal and Dane. 
Maybe this this Wizards Pelicans trade has already agreed to in principle, and Beal is so mad they're trading his buddy KCP to the Pelicans that he said, "That's it, I'm out. Um, that's last straw." That's um, pretty funny. Um, man. Yeah, it, it does seem yeah, like that's. I'm trying to. Here. Yeah, I I can't get more information. Yeah, I I would suspect it's because of he has like all the money, um, on the line. But yeah, it's got, I mean, gotta be right. How and Beals, how old you should know you've been chasing him for years. It's like 28, dude. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Anyways. Um, question for you is who's the better player today right now? Contracts disregarded Cam Johnson or KCP. I think KCP is a better fit for the Pelicans right now would help. The, I think the, Pel- the Pelicans win more games with KCP on the team than, than uh, why um he's he's lower i don't think offense is the problem for the pelicans i i think he can space the floor i think he's better defender and those two things like call it simplistic but three and d i think that that helps the pelicans current complement of players better than what cam johnson is right now okay fair enough i lean that way too to be honest what do you like that way too it's probably close yeah but but I, I think it's also like a, a less chance that he takes trades minutes uh, or eats into trades minutes. I think yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that argument actually holds water. But um, sure, I'll talk myself into that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, sort of going back to your discussion about what's going on with the Spurs and the Pels and why the Pels may be considering this. Um, well, Mason, it seems like the Pels have a pretty clear idea of what they want to do with the draft um kind of just piecing together all the reporting um and things i've heard and everything else it this is my read on it um it's it's just an educated guess uh this is my read on things and my read is that if dyson daniels is there at eight they will run to the podium and draft not really, you know, going to complain. I, I believe they would do the same if Ben Matherin is also there at eight. I think internally they believe that ne- neither of those players will be there, or I guess more accurately, they're preparing for the fact that neither of those players are there. Um, I think it's more likely Dyson's there than Matherin. It seems like Matherin is solidifying himself into like the five, six, seven spot. Uh, there's teams trying to move up to get him and stuff. Um, Portland is the big wild card at seven in terms of who they pick, if they keep the pick, if they trade the pick, who that team then also picks, right? If Portland mm-hmm. trades it to Detroit for Jeremy Grant, um, it does Detroit want Dyson Daniels in addition to whoever they're picking at five, or do they want to go shade and sharp and just go, you know, take the, take a swing on, on that guy. If they trade it to Atlanta with John Collins, I believe Atlanta would want Dyson Daniels. It seems to be the indication of like that's the kind of player they want around Trey, but who knows? Um, and I, then like I kind of love Collins in Portland, by the way. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think Dame Dame would finally have like this interior scoring presence that he hasn't had his whole career since Lamarcus, basically. Yeah. Um. So. So I guess there is a possibility Dyson's still there at eight. If that's there, then they're going to take him. If he's not, that's where things get interesting, Mason, because in my opinion, it's, it's Osman Jang and Jeremy Sohan in that order. So 
here comes the confusing part. In the that Spurs, order, interesting. But all right, go on. The Spurs also like those two players. I don't know in which order. They've been linked to both of them. Uh, some mocks have them taking Jang. Some mocks have them taking Sohan. Uh, they've been linked to Jalen Duran as well too. But I think that's a little bit of a smoke screen. I don't think. I don't think that's who they will draft. Especially they have Jakob Pertl. Um, they just don't seem to unless they hate that dude. Like I don't understand why why they would look for Jakob's uh, replacement so early. Unless they just love Duran's um, workouts. In either case, the Spurs like the two guys the Pelicans like. It sounds like the Cavs really, really, really like Usman Jang. And they're trying to move up to, like, the 10th spot. Who are they now? 16, 14. 14. 14. Because they're in the lot. They're in the lotto. They didn't make the playoffs. Right. So it's 14 because Charlotte is 13 and 15. Okay. Um. So, yeah, from 14 to 10, they're trying to move up. And if they get to the wizard spot, I think they would take Jang if he's on the board. I'm curious who they would take if he wasn't on the board. But it puts the Pelicans in a weird situation where, okay, you can't really risk trading back with OKC at 12 right? because both those guys you like will be off the board. Mm-hmm. And and to me, it doesn't seem like they really love anyone else, right? I, I think it's... It's it's a four four person question for them. It's you know uh, Matherin, Dyson, uh, Jang, Sohan in in some some order. I, I I seem to think like the priority is Dyson uh, at one, but maybe maybe I'm wrong here. Um, so what do you do if you are entering a situation where your team is on the clock and Dyson and Matherin off the board? Do you just say fuck it and take Jang at eight? And I guess I'm at, let me let me let me let you answer the answer that first. Uh, you know, not knowing what the Pelicans are are thinking, I mean, why is, is the trade to down to ten on the board? So the, let's is the fake one. Well, that's the thing is like, do you try to explore a trade to ten at that point? Like that's up to you. Like, what are you thinking? Like, do you do you just take the guy that you love? Or do you try to like get a little squeeze out a little bit of extra value and be like, all right, we'll, we'll set it for Sohan if, if Spurs take Jang or like take the chance that you know one of Jang or Sohan is going to be there. Look, I mean, my my preference, and unless you think you're really getting plus value from dropping down two two slots, and you truly don't have much of a gap between those last two players you want, is take I, after last year, I have zero reason not to trust the Pelicans draft process. I mean. Okay, it's one year, so th- to say I, I I can't doubt it is probably poor logic. But they crushed the draft last year. Cl- clearly, they're they're what, if they're doing something right, and so I want to buy into that. And I think you know you trust your evaluation process, and unless you think you've got you're getting real worthwhile value to move down a couple spots, and you're still gonna be happy with the guy you get, then take the player you want at eight. I yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you as as the founding member of the Jang gang. I I want them to just take Jang, uh, but I will be a very happy person if you told me today, like if I didn't know anything else, you're like, all right, drafts over, Sohan and KCP are on your roster, and Devonte is it. I'd be like, fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's that's a good outcome to me. I I like I'm a big fan of Sohan. I'm a big fan of what he can do. 
Um, I guess, do you have, I get not to distract too much from the draft topic, but do you have concerns? Concerns the wrong word, but so the, the redeeming value of Devonte Graham um, one, I, I've already told you my, my feelings that I feel like he's at his lowest value right now and he can build up some of that. He can some build up some value back. Um, but He's a contract. He's that mid-level contract you've got. Now, I mean, I guess you can just use the, if you if you can create some space under the tax line, you can use the MLA. But right now, they're not in a position to do that. And so, like, he's a nice middle salary. And the Pelicans, I feel like, have have been able to you know successfully leverage some of those types of contracts and deals. Um, but then after that, you kind of KCP is expiring, and then you've you end up in a situation where potentially you've got a bunch of guys on expensive deals and a bunch of guys on cheap deals. And it, it doesn't give you a lot of flexibility. Is that a, is that a concern of yours at all? No, because I am, I am already on terms with you're going to have to move Jonas and Nance at some point. Uh, so I think their salary is going to be there. And I think, I think eventually they'll be able to sign some guys at the MLE or use. Nance is expiring. Nance is going to get extended. All right. I want to have you on record saying that. <laughs> I think it's going to get extended. Sir seems yeah. to be the, the case. Um, it's a nice, good fit with the team. So, I, yeah, I would. I think that'd be. Yeah, great. I mean, what? I, it seems like this is not reporting. It seems like don't aggregate this. Uh, <laughs> it just seems like the Pels are on their way to figuring out extensions for for some of the the key players that they had in the playoffs. Um, be one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I I don't know. I I feel like. It just depends if Washington's willing to play ball and if they really love someone at eight. Like if they, you have to ask about it from their perspective. Like, okay, you're moving up two spots for who? Right. And if it's if it's Sharp, okay, he'll be there. I mean, well, no, maybe right. If Sharp's off the board, then the Pelicans probably selecting one of the guys they like. And if Sharp's not off off the board, he's there. Then you have to really, really love Sharp. And if Bradley Beal is leaving. It makes sense to go make a swing for a guy like Sharp, but if Bradley Beal is staying, I is, is that a risk you should take? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm always of the opinion like take the best player possible, and it's not often you get the opportunity to draft a guy that was the number one recruit in his class and and has that kind of potential. Yeah. So yeah, I would. As, as Washington displayed that kind of risk appetite, I mean, they drafted Corey Kispert last year. That should tell you something, right? <laughs> they drafted Rui Hachimura and he was an old prospect. Yeah. Denny Avdia is like the biggest project they drafted, and and Avdia's been okay for them. Yeah, not 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 not, not great results over there um, in, in in Washington with some of the recent drafts. Yeah, maybe so the scout I man. Think, maybe the scout man was, uh, went back over there and he's working for him again. Scout man, I hope he is. <laughs> It would all make sense. Make some kind of dumb pick. Um, it, actually, I don't hope he is. I don't wish that on anybody. <laughs> so I hope he never gets employed by the league again. Fuck that. Um, sorry. Uh, he. Yeah, I think there's there's like a very real scenario. Washington's like, yeah, we're not really motivated to move up. So I, at that point, you know, you just swallow the pill and take your guy at eight. Uh, yes, I mean, unless unless you. Well, I don't know. Unless you want to move out of the draft entirely, like I mean, I, I no. and I don't, I don't, I don't see that as something the Pelicans are interested in. So, okay, I want to ask you a question that was asked of me today. 
how many of the second round picks do you think they're actually going to keep? Or, or to put put it shortly, they have two second round picks. Do they end the night with two people drafted in the second round? Nah, I think they have one. One. Yeah, I, I think I think one. You've got a potentially two way guy. It's someone for summer league. I mean, I, I think why? I, whether now I think there's a fair question of whether they. What, so the three things, right? They can package them and move up. They can trade one for a future pick or they can just sell it, right? And so I don't really have a strong inkling on which one. Um, I don't know. I mean, have you have you noticed the Pelicans doing anything, um, you know, heavy uh, as far as looking at second round guys? And anyone you think that they would I mean, be they brought really in a bunch of people, for? but... Like I, anyone they'd be moving up for, you think, very clearly or no? I have no idea. Okay. No, I don't either. So there's guys that I like. I have no idea how they feel about the second round. I don't think my interests have really been focused in that area. He, um, they, I think they will sell the 51st pick. Was it 52nd? 52nd pick. Whatever one. I, 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 there's no way that pick is on that roster to except for the Pelicans, especially when they have a proven, in my opinion, you can actually say this is a proven track record of finding undrafted free agents because it goes all the way back to Kenrich. Mm-hmm. It goes to Kenrich. It goes to Najee. It goes to Jose. Um, they can find undrafted guys. Do you, do you think it matters that the Pelicans have, have uh, so many, so they're, they're a deep team now. Do you think that are, I guess with undrafted, it usually won't matter. Guys just want to get a, you know, get a chance. Right. So if you're the 15th man, you're undrafted, who gives a shit, right? No. Um, yeah. I mean, so the way right now, like most, most uh, agents kind of like if they see like their clients dropping, they like to steer. They would prefer undrafted because then they get to pick which team they end up with. And all that's really on the table for those guys is the most point. Like after like after like the 30s, like once you get to the 40s and stuff, most of the things like the teams are offering are two way deals. And yeah. if you're offering two way deals, those guys just prefer to be undrafted and, and go to a, you know, a, a place that they want to go to. Yeah. Um. The Lakers call call you up and offer you the max amount of money possible for the fifty first pick. Are you selling it to the Lakers? Yes or no? Hell yeah! Five point six, <laughs> five point was six point one million dollars of Jenny Buss's broke ass money. Oh my god! Yes, Ugh. he's gonna have to file another PPP loan just to pay that off. <laughs> that seems scripted. That was really nicely done. Uh, I commend you for that. Nah. <laughs> Just asking because you know, obviously, we don't want to help them build a build a roster that's in that's. No I way. do not care if they want to try to give the fifty fourth pick a guaranteed contract and give him minutes to play. Yeah, I'd help him do that. That guy's probably <laughs> not going to do anything. I mean, let's be. You can see what my dog thinks about it in the back. He's he's flipping over yeah. again. <laughs> Come on, Mason. You you don't want to give them the fifty first pick for six million dollars. <laughs> yep, I, I think I think you'd have to. Yeah, I would. I would absolutely do that. Yeah, yeah. I think they're probably going to try to buy the you know, better picks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you they're also a don't. team that can like tell agents be like, "Yeah, make your guy undrafted." Like we have, he can start. He can start. Yeah. For <laughs> Look at Austin Reeves. He got all the minutes. Uh, so you got the you got the Pelicans not packaging, not trading to a, neck, a deeper draft. You think they'll just sell one of them? I could see a packaging happen. I could see like uh, the 51st pick being traded for a top 50 protected pick in the 2037 draft. And maybe a little, maybe, maybe some cash on the side. Too. Rights to some dude out the Balkans. 
don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I see no reason why they would pick, why they would use both picks, like with the roster the way it is. It just wouldn't. Yeah. No, I think they, they like probably like lock in with like one guy that they probably think could be a two way player for them. Or, or uh, the, the cool thing about it is like they can wait until like the, they can wait a quite a, a while to decide what kind of contract they want to sign that second round pick to. Um, so if they end up like freeing money up later and being like, all right, this guy's going to get the guaranteed deal, then they'll just go ahead and give him the deal. Uh, if they like him, like if it's someone like Herb, right. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 they have optionality with that. Yeah, for sure. So Mason, you, you, you excited to get this shit over with like all the speculation and to head to the next portion of speculation, which is free agency and that it's the own madhouse. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, yeah, pumped pump to get to uh, to Vegas with you in a couple of weeks. That, that's gonna be fun, man. Yeah, I, I am looking forward to that. And you know what? I do enjoy this time period because after this and after summer league is a big fat nothing that exactly. happens for for months, and then football starts. And I don't watch football in any capacity, and my timeline just turns to shit, in my opinion. And <laughs> and, and yeah, it's it's a bad time. So yeah. um, I will cherish this time. No, I, it's it's fun, man. Like I I, I it, for. For all the lamenting that even that I'll, I'll do about like how the you know the the storylines sometimes get more get more covers in the games themselves at this time of year I'll take it it, it is a chaos like there is nothing that I don't know it's going to be really hard to beat that the, the DeAndre Jordan house arrest story from like five to ten years ago with the uh, with, with the Mavs and trying to like keep them locked away uh, <laughs> as they pursued him in free agency like that. That stuff's nuts, and, and, and it's it's so silly. And you know that that's. What I want to talk it. about some nuts stuff right now. By okay, Bradley well, yeah. you look like you're, you're totally distracted when I was talking, which is fine. But I no, I have... heard everything that you're saying. <laughs> I, I heard good. you talking about the the DeAndre Jordan shit. Anyways, um, <laughs> Bradley Beal just uh, tweeted out uh, so yeah. effectively refuting uh, Mike Scotta's report, uh, and he tweeted out, "Wait, huh? LOL." Um, which do we think either, I don't know. It could be, he could just be messing around, right? He could be. I mean, he could just be, be being an ass. I don't know. Yeah. We'll find out pretty soon because he's got to make the decision soon enough. I think by the end of this month, right? I mean, by the thirty before the next calendar year starts uh, yeah. for for the league. Um, did you see uh, the Wo- Woj bomb about Gordon Hayward? Doesn't make any sense, but do you see it? Uh, how I guess it's not, it's not from from. It, I guess it's from earlier. Oh. Um. um wait, wait. What? I I, may, I just maybe my phone's being dumb. Yeah, I didn't say anything with Hayward from him. Oh, J.K. Never mind. Someone, someone. Um, I rely on my friends' Discord to send me these things, and they were just trolling, and they sent a four-year-old Gordon Hayward. <laughs> I got bamboozled. Oh man, don't wait. It was a, a four-year-old thing about Gordon Hayward, and uh, that was bad. That was really bad. Man, you can I get think some I'm sleep. I'm just gonna end this and talk about our sponsors, DraftKings. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, so DraftKings, baby, the calf slicer, the Peruvian necktie. There are tons of ways to come out on top of the octagon, and for UFC 276, there's one more. With DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the USC, you can bet $5 
to win $100 in free bets. If you download the the DraftKings Sportsbook now and use the promo code BOOT, B-O-O-T, you can bet $5 on any of the UFC 276 fighters uh, and win $100 in free bets. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services are available at 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. So use a promo code BOOT, download the sportsbook, and uh, win yourself some money. And thank you for listening to our podcast.